Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where we have the discussions that inform, entertain, and empower educators to be the change. I am your host, Dr. Will. And today I am back with uh, Dr. Sean Barry Clark. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm ready. Excellent. Excellent. Now, see, this is going to be a different show, people. We, we have not. Uh, come out with any uh, pre-prepared questions as I normally do. Shocker if someone thought I just came off the top of my head, but <laughs> I'm trying to prepare. I want this to be a good show. Uh, but we're going to really talk about uh, Dr. Sean's, uh, some of her earlier experiences and how she has uh, been triumphant and successful in moving forward. So watching, uh, will you please introduce yourself? Dr. Will, first, I want to say um, this is going to be interesting because I was picturing that this conversation might go from the Dr. Will show to the Dr. Phil show. So we'll see <laughs> if, if you can help me out um, psychologically so that this could be like therapy for me today. Um, right now, I'm a transformation coach for the State Department of Education. Um, and I was a principal for 10 years before that and a director of curriculum instruction for five years before that. I taught at a school and a university preschool for a couple years. Um, but right now I'm in this whole new mode of um, helping failing schools or supposed failing schools. And when you and I have talked recently, um, we got on the subject of, so what about your failing self? Like, how did you turn yourself around? So I'm excited to let a little bit more of my soul out here. Um, and again, if you act a little more like Dr. Phil and we'll make it very therapeutic, I can grow from this. Well, I have, you know, I don't have a, a degree in psychology. It's in air leadership. Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, as, as I say on my blog, I tell people that I in legal or medical uh, advice or services. Uh, so you have shared uh, with me and others, and uh, definitely on uh, a podcast you did recently, you shared about uh, some early experiences you had in high school. So let's start there. Uh, can, can you just start there? Uh, what happened during your high school years that uh, sort of put you on the path to where you are now? All right, I'm going to back it up just a scooch to eighth grade. And I think that's when... Um, I really started changing and went downhill for the big part and that prepped me for my ultimate failure through high school. Um, I remember my parents got divorced when I was um, in about the seventh or eighth grade and not blaming them. This isn't a show where I'm going to be blaming them, Dr. Phil. Um, but I started drinking when I was in the eighth grade at the age of 12, um, sneaking out of the house on the weekends stealing the family car, which was a station wagon. Why would I think I look cool rolling in a station wagon at 2 a.m. through the neighborhood? Um, a little um, messing with a little vandalism, like ninth grade-ish. Um, out at night when I shouldn't be, you know how kids, when you're out at night, you don't have much to do. That's when you tend to make those juvenile delinquent decisions. And that's what I did. Um, and to make it worse, my father worked with juvenile delinquents. He was the captain of the police department. So when he had to come pick me up um, for a public drunkenness one time at the Hardy's parking lot, because that's where we used to hang 
in our in our um, town was at the Hardy's parking lot. That's a cool place to hang. Um, all those poor choices in succession without anybody kind of putting it to a halt um, led me to some even more poor choices. By the time I was a senior in high school, I dropped out after I missed dozens and dozens of days and just couldn't catch up. Um, counselors didn't call my house. Teachers didn't call my house. Um, no home visits to see, you know, what's going on with me. Um, but I was so embarrassed, so ashamed of that first dropout experience that I actually re-enrolled and redid my senior year. And then a couple more poor choices. I got pregnant in high school and um, had to drop out of high school. So, and that's just what you did then. You didn't really stay in school in the 80s. This was 1989. Um, so I found a lawyer in the Yellow Pages. You know, before Google, you went to Yellow Pages to find your businesses and your people. Um, found a lawyer, um, got in touch, and then flew to New York and gave birth to a child and gave her up for adoption. Mm, mm. So after that, what made you keep going or 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 make a make a change in what some would could consider a more uh positive or productive direction um well i've been talking a whole lot lately with um a friend of mine brady venables who was on the show with you the last time i was on the show and um we talk about the a formula for change where you got to have you got to amp up the dissatisfaction before you can make a true change and i think my life got to the point where the dissatisfaction was so through the roof and my discomfort level was um unbearable almost um with dropping out i ended up getting a ged and then i couldn't really get a job that i felt proud of so i was cocktail waiting moved to myrtle beach south carolina cocktail waitress bartender working in restaurants. Um, and of course, you know, you get into that mode and you stay up all night after you do your shift, you hang out with all the other bar people, um, go home about three, 4 a.m., blow all your money, you have nothing to show for it. Um, so I, it, my life got to a point where um, I was so uncomfortable with that lifestyle that I, I, I had to make a change. So it wasn't a mentor, um, it wasn't education that did it at that time but I knew that education was my route out of that situation. So I had to figure out, um, can I enroll in a tech school, which is what I did. That's the only kind of schools that would accept me with the GED at the time is I had to go to a um, technical college, which was a fantastic experience. Um, so that, like getting so miserable, um, so unhappy with the way my life is. Then yeah, I talked about my, giving my daughter up for adoption. Um, the bigger driver behind all that was when and if she ever found me, I did not want to be an embarrassment to her. So I wanted to make myself proud, but I wanted to make my children even prouder. Mm -hmm. So you're in technical uh, school at, and I'm assuming a good experience uh, seeing where you are right now. Uh, mm -hmm. What skills or uh, educational counseling or academic preparation that you received there that gave you the confidence uh, to go ahead and get your bachelor's? Well, actually, um, 
I cannot think of another teacher or an educator mentor when I was in the tech school that did it. It really was the drive that and the hunger that I had. It was so strong that once I got into school and I got back into education, um, it was like I couldn't stop. Um, and we've talked about how I've gone from GED to PhD, and that I think is Craig Boykin stole my story. That's what his handle is, is GED to PhD. So it's gone. I can't use that. Um, but it was like a, the thirst wouldn't stop. I kept going to school, um, and I did have good educators at the at Midlands Technical College. Like I said, it was a fantastic experience. But again, it was more the drive of I'm going to make myself proud. I'm going to make my children proud because I ended up having another child four years later. Um, so that was even bigger driver was finishing my bachelor's. I think I finished when he was three years old, I believe. Um, so showing him that that's my way out of this, um, that you can change. And, I, and that's what I want to do is just make those two people proud. Mm -hmm. So you're going through school, you finished, you, you graduated. Uh, you could have stopped there. I mean, mm -hmm. by all by all accounts, I mean, you've accomplished the American dream. You have a undergraduate degree. Uh, why go beyond that? Because I had this whole um, thought of dream big but act bigger. Um, I wanted my dreams to come to fruition. I remember saying years ago, okay, so I want to write a book. Like, okay, yeah, I got this PhD, but now... I want to write a book. Um, I've always been a big dreamer. I think that's something that's helped me too, is that I have a vision for the way things could be, um, of what my life could be like. Now, along the way, I've made about 2 billion mistakes, but those are also my drivers. Um, I don't see those mistakes as missteps. I see them as these first steps that lead me to something greater. Um, I set goals. That's something also that I do. Like I said, I have a vision and I wanted to write a book. I wanted to be on podcasts and here I am guesting with you. Maybe I'll have my own one day. Um, I'll have to come up with a good name. The, the Dr. Clark show just doesn't sound too snazzy. I'm going to come up with something. Um, and then another dream, you know, I'm having you and I chatted the other night on the phone um, I have this dream in my head right now of being healthier. I'm about to hit 50 years old. Um, um, and we talked about um, no meat, not eating meat. That's something else I'm hoping all. we can work on together. Be more omnivores, not car carnivores. Yeah, We're going to yeah. work on that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have uh, I've had very little meat uh, this past week. Uh, I actually had black bean veggie burger today how uh, was that it was actually good uh you know I, I don't think nothing can replace steak you know i don't know i, I don't know if anything can no nothing can uh, it can ever get to that point but uh definitely you know trying to get there uh because uh, i want to feel better want to look better and as much as i humanly possibly can, you know, put forth the effort to try to prolong my life and have a better quality of life. So that's where that decision came from. Right. That's a, that's a new, not a new driver of mine, but it's something um, I'm definitely getting way more concerned about um, getting the stress levels down um, and being at my 
ultimate best when it comes to my health. I want to be around a lot longer, Dr. Well. I got some other things on the list I might want to do. I hear you. I hear you. Now, you talked about, and this is something that always interests me because I'm not very good at it. Uh, you say you have set goals for yourself. And I have like some things that I want to accomplish, but you know, in terms of let's say a vision board or mm. sitting down and saying, okay, the next 30 days or next 60 days or next year, these are the goals that I have so I can then sort of create steps to get there. That's something that I'm just terrible at and really need to do more of. How do you plan out your goals and what steps do you take in order to make those goals come to fruition? Okay, I'm, I'm grabbing my phone for a second because I wanted to show you something. I had no idea you were going to ask that, but <laughs> here we go. Um, you know Google Keep? Yes. Okay, so um, I have all these color-coded notes in my Google Keep, um, things that I want to accomplish. Um, and I actually, the ones that are the most important, I share with an accountability partner. If it's a goal, for example, let me find one. I've got um, book number two. It's had, it has its own color-coded Google Keep with um, pictures and ideas in it, things that I want to do, um, things that I'd like to do in a second book with my accountability partner, Brady. Um, I've shared some Google Keeps with my husband if it's something that I wanted him involved with. Um, I've even got like the codes to the gym in my Google Keep. So when I open it, so it reminds me, get your butt to the gym. Here's the code. Um, so I find this really handy because then when I write about it, um, and I've been um, working with something called the Pacific Institute writing affirmations. And in my calendar, I'm going to prove this to you too, tech-wise, um, I have my affirmations in my calendar and they set off and they go off every single day. Here we go. So there's Google Calendar and I'm going to open up this one and see how it starts at the top because of your true intent. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just read one real quick. Um, so one of my affirmations that I'm working on as a goal is because of our true spirit of intent in leading ourselves and our team, it is easy to empower our people, resulting in extraordinary growth in human and social capital. So it has to be something very deep and moving that you actually have action for and is all in the positive. And with the affirmations and my goal setting, I read these every single morning. They pop up at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. Um, say them out loud until they're internal. Mm. So yeah, been working on some goal setting a lot lately and using technology to inspire me to be better at it. And you know, the technology haunts me. So it's always here. It's always in my face. I can't miss it. So my goals are like always here. Awesome. That's something I need to, to do. And I definitely try to work, you know, find something that, and make it concrete uh, and to mm. hold myself. Now earlier, you know, you just mentioned having an accountability partner. Where did the idea come from and uh, how did you how did you choose your accountability partner and what sort of uh, I guess, what do you do to either to hold each other accountable for for the dreams and goals you have set? So, first of all, how did I choose this accountability partner is um, I was working with Brady Venables. Um, with integrating technology. We were working in the same district at the time and we're not anymore. Um, she 
pushed me so deep and would ask me questions. Um, I could never just give an easy answer to her. Um, I could never just throw some idea out there without her um, coming right back at me with, so why do you think about that? Um, how do you think that will affect other people you work with? Um, what effect will that have to do with children? Like, is that even your part of your mission? Like, what are you doing with that? Um, so it wasn't that I formally chose her. It was that um, she was so good with unsolicited feedback for me um, and critiques and praise um, and holding me to such a high standard that we just fell into that relationship kind of. But now we're way more purposeful about it. Um, Brown, we say, you know, well, I wouldn't ask you this if I didn't care or um, if I didn't want to push you or if I didn't want you to, to succeed. Um, we, and we send each other articles all the time. Um, the latest one was about, um, I got a quote because I got to pull it up real quick, was about being um, uncomfortable with the things we're trying right now. And it says um, discomfort is very much a part of your master plan. So we make discomfort part of our plan working with each other and working for other people. Um, and it says the only time, this was the big quote she sent. She's like, what do you think about this quote? Um, and I'm like, are you asking me because you think I should think something about this quote? Because I thought she was projecting what she wanted me to think about the quote. Um, the quote, the only time you're actually growing is when you are uncomfortable. Um, so those are ways we push each other. Um, and again, send each other reading materials. If, um, do you get the articles from Medium? Do you I have do. Those coming? Okay, so those come into your inbox. You know how it's like Google, and they'll come to you based on recommendations or other educators. Um, we will send each other the ones that hit the hardest for us and the ones we think that um, we need for growth. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let's now get to your decision uh, to pursue a doctorate. Now, this isn't one of those easy decisions like, you know, what color shirt I'm wearing tomorrow. Hello. Uh, yeah, this, <laughs> this, is new, this is a new ball game here. Uh, and there's only maybe one, two percent of the population actually has a uh, doctoral degree. After getting your master's and working and you have a family, what makes you then say, I want to get that next degree? Uh, and what was your process for finding the right program for yourself? Okay, so this is where I'm going to be um, vulnerable in a, for this moment to tell you the real reason that I got that degree um, was because I've, I never have gotten over the embarrassment of dropping out of school and I almost did it like a in your face to the people that also found me on Facebook that I went to high school with. Um, the, yeah, so I did make big mistakes and I dropped out twice. Um, and yeah, I fled the town and I've only been back to the town, I think maybe twice since the day I left there at the age of 18 or 17. Um, and no one there, you know, really knows me and knows who I am now except through social media. Um, so honestly, I did it. Um, I don't know if I'd say revenge. I don't think revenge is the right word, but I did it to 
kind of cover up all the shame and embarrassment that I still had because I felt like such a loser um, dropping out of school. And people who think that our kids make that decision lightly and they just don't care and they're just like, oh, forget this, I'm not coming back to school and I'm dropping out, no big deal. Their hidden pain is something that is so deep. Um, the way it makes them feel, the way they have to tell people the rest of their lives, they did not finish high school. It is something you carry with you as a huge burden. And yes, I've, I've been um, made some successes now. And, you know, yeah, I've, I'm very grateful for the life I have, but I'm still that high school dropout. I think always going to be, um, always going to be a finding a way to make up for it. Um, I know that's a long answer, but that that's the honest answer that um, I really did it to say that I'm better than I was. Like I, I, I made it. I wanted other people to know that I made it. So it was really because I cared about what a bunch of other people thought, honestly. Um, and then how I chose the program, um, I was living in Columbia, South Carolina at the time, and I'm a huge Gamecock fan, and I'd gotten my other three degrees there. And um, there was this woman in the department who was head of it that I asked to be my dissertation chair, Jackie Jacobs. And she had this beautiful adoption story. She had given up a child um, and we bonded over that and we talked about it. And I was like, these are the people I want to be with. Um, she will nurture me through this process when I can't take it anymore or I feel like I'm going to drop out of the PhD process. Um, because that was scary too. There was a time I um, stopped going to school for two years working on that. I just kind of like held back because I was scared. Like I was really scared. I'm not going to finish this. I mean, it took me years and years. Um, so it was based on that. It was based on the people in the department um, and location. I mean, it was right there at USC and I was a big fan of the university. It's a great school, but it was really about um, that woman, Jackie Jacobs, because I had classes with her in my master's program, and she was one of the most fantastic women I've ever had the pleasure to. Okay, now since you bring it up, how you, uh, you know, delayed and delayed, and you were like, hey, I'm not going to get through this. How did you find the fortitude to actually finish, you know, because it's one of those things where I tell people all the time that the coursework, that's no biggie. I mean, you're talking about no. just added research from your master's or more intensive writing. But you'll, if, if you got a master's, you'll get through this. Back. You'll get through that. No problem. Absolutely. But that, dis that dissertation, though. Okay. Hello. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no. <laughs> that's a new animal. I mean, I, I have never been so humbled in my life to write, you know, you write 30 pages and you're mm -hmm. like some great pages. And then your advisor oh. goes back and goes, Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, I know. <laughs> so how, how did you then, um, you know, like, you know, all of us who have finished, uh, how did you finish? I guess, how, you know, you, you, you keep going back, you keep going back, you keep going back. Uh, I mean, how, how did you make that happen? Um, well, I'm a procrastinator and that's one of my biggest downfalls. Um, and I do everything last minute. I'm like last minute, Lucy, I'll be up at 4am writing a paper that's due the next day. Um, and my 
husband, he gave me the space and time to do that. So I would literally sit in our den and cram all night long. Um, I'd write till two, 3 a.m. Um, and not give up. And he would like just walk by and go, you know, you got to do this. You know, you got to do this. And just kept giving me like little. Um, and then my I had a second chair because the department changed a couple times from people moving out of the university. And this one professor, Julie Rothholtz, she would send me emails at random and say, keep plugging, Sean, you're going to do this. Um, which at the time I thought, well, those little things didn't mean very much. It was really about what I chose to do. But those things meant a whole hell of a lot. Um, her always sending me little messages just when I needed it. And she didn't even have a clue that I did need it. Um, so people being very positive around me, support around me helped, giving me the time where like, let's say I didn't have to scrub a floor, do a dish or do laundry for weeks at a time because somebody else was taking care of that. So that all I did was write and plug away. Um, and again, I go back to that story of why I got the PhD in the first place. I could not go down and be one of those people, ABD, all but dissertation, because then what would people say um, that I quit and then, and Everyone in my program finished years ahead of me. And so here was me still plugging away at USC. Um, but you're right. The coursework was nothing. That was so easy compared to sitting down and writing that dissertation. So, yeah. So a lot of positive motivation from others who cared and given me time. Awesome. Awesome. So you finish. Uh, you're now doctor. You're yeah. working. What comes next for you professionally at that point? Um, are you saying today or after I finish? And after, when I finish after, after, after you finish your, yeah, after you finish your doctorate. Um, well, after then, it was like, now I don't have that to talk about that I'm so busy doing that anymore. So it was like, okay, now I got to do even more work. Um, and, I, and what I wanted to do was share more knowledge, not saying that the PhD made me um, more genius or smarter or something like that. But I felt like with the credential, with my name, that maybe people would listen a little more. And I wanted to share with other people. So I started presenting a lot more, um, presenting nationally, ASCD, um, National Title I, things like that. I was trying to present. Um, and then working on writing my first book. Um, you would think I would never want to write again after that experience. Um, but after that was done, I, it actually gave me more strength to write even more. So yeah, so now I've um, written a book and I want to write more books. I don't want to write. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I'll write something for Fast Company or whatever, a thousand words. That's all you're getting. <laughs> uh, from me because I'm done uh, and it's funny because you know after I'm done right and then uh, I'm I'm finished but I'm going through the last few uh, stages of the dissertation uh, before it's con the dean con confirms everything mm -hmm. and, and, my, and my, my chair is like hey um, you need to you know do some journal articles and I'm like no, I'm good. <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. You know, uh, 
this is going to be the only academic research uh, <laughs> with my name on it, you know. So, uh, so uh, you've you've written a book. You want to work on another one. Uh, you've been interviewed by these podcasts, and you need to have your own podcast. I, so I want to do that. <laughs> you need to. You need to. After all that you have accomplished thus far what would you say has been the greatest lesson you have learned about life and about yourself? Oh God. Um, there's so many great lessons that I've learned. Um, but as part of my mission as an educator, there is this um, quote that I keep in my phone too, so that when I'm scrolling through photos, looking at the good time I'm having in Nashville or whatever, then this quote always pops up too. Um, it says, be who you needed when you were younger. And so that is what um, keeps me going and motivates me. And that's what I want to do. I want to be the person that I didn't have when I was growing up. Um, the teacher I didn't have that didn't call my house. Um, the person who didn't let me get out of trouble, like who um, held me to some consequences. Um, but in a loving way and a respectful way. And then not just like disciplines you, but then shows you the way out. Um, so that's my number one lesson is, am I prepared to be the person that I wish I would have had when I was in high school? Um, so that's what I work on constantly. And that's my biggest lesson is, is this fake Sean? Like you went through all this and like, now you're really, you're not going to be this person that you, needed. Um, it is how I can better myself so that people can come back and tell me years later, help me, you were there when I needed you most and you mm -hmm. didn't let me down. All right. So now I want to throw this out there to you. Who do you admire and what is next outside of your the book you want to write next? What is next for you? Hmm. Okay. So who I admire, and I'm just going to tell a few little morsels of why I admire these two people, because um, there are reasons that are their story, that it's not my place to put their story out here on the air, that I admire them the most about the struggles and the um, triumphs that they've gone through. It is my two children, um, because Education, you know how they think educators, you're going to turn out these children that are awesome in education and they go on to get a degree and they get a master's and they get a PhD. Well, that didn't happen in, with me and my two children. I know I didn't raise one of them, but I've been in touch with my daughter for nine years now, eight years now. Um, and we talk constantly. She Snapchats me every day. Um, the, to see the two of them, struggle their way through and they both have had tough times in education. Um, both came very close to dropping out as well, which you know how you, you think you're going to stop that cycle and stop it from repeating. And then there it happens again. Um, so watching the two of them become adults, they're um, 28 and 24 and the things that they've had to go through. Um, I admire the two of them for the, and again, I'm not going to say exactly what all they, they're, they're the two people I admire the most because um, they are making it. They're making their way and they are making it. And I can't wait to 
see next year and the next who they become. Awesome. Awesome. So what's next for you? Uh, Cause I know you're going to be balling out, you know, you got your, you know, <laughs> you're doing it and uh, give, give us a little teaser of uh, what, what's next. What should we be looking forward to you within the next year or so? Okay. So the next year or so um, I want to get better at presentations um, more interaction and more on the fly presentations where they're not canned, um, interacting with the audience and really, um, giving a speech that doesn't just inspire people, but influences people to do something else. Um, you talked to Jennifer Abrams recently on your podcast, and she is one of the people that I listen to the most. And I've read her stuff as well. Um, she said in one of her presentations, um, you got to go beyond inspiration. Like, you know how we watch Rita Pearson's TED Talk? That is one of the most inspiring TED Talks ever, that every child needs a champion and, you know, be that champion. But then we then go back to school and then we do what we normally do. Um, and we're not really trying to be someone's champion every single minute of every day. So that I want to work at being more influential, not inspirational, which inspiration is good too, but I want to, how do I propel, help people to build capacity and go push that? They act, not dream big, act bigger. Um, working on a second book. We shall see. <laughs> um, I won't say too much about that right now. Um, and then podcasts. Like I, I think I told you that I've experimented with my accountability partner about telling my story through Voxer because then it transcribes what you say. Um, getting out a little bit more of my memoirs through Voxer, like some kind of medium like that, um, converting it to word. So those are two things I'm working on. Awesome. Awesome. So before we go, what is your advice to that young person uh, or that person who they may be in their twenties, man, they could be in their thirties and they say, Hey, <laughs> yeah. my life is not where I expected it to be how do they take greater ownership and begin to put in the work, take the necessary steps to get to where they want to go? Um, again, I, we didn't pre-plan this, but I have this quote staring me in the face on my iPad. Um, this is something I want people to know. This would be advice that everything that happens to you is the teacher and it doesn't have to be a teacher. Um, and it goes on, it says, this is about Polly Barron's. The secret is to learn to sit at the feet of your own life and be taught by it. So you are going to screw up. Um, and you, it might, you might screw up a full year in a row, but it is about the picking yourself up. What did that teach you? What huge mistake did you make? What did that teach you? And how is that mistake going to become your teacher? Because you don't need people to do that. It's better if you have mentors. It's better if you have people guiding you. But your life and your life story and what happens to you, that is your biggest teacher. So I would tell them to let those sink in. Let those mistakes sink in, the things they're doing in their life. And then you know what? Start back over the next day. What did you learn from that mistake? Take those lessons from your own life and let that be your greatest teacher. 
Awesome, awesome. Thank you again, Dr. Sean, for being a guest on this podcast. Very powerful uh, today. I hope people uh, are empowered, you know, when they listen to the podcast to go ahead and make uh, changes. You know, if their life isn't where they want it to be, that they don't settle for what they have now, but actually put in the work to get what they want. So, people, you know how I do. This is going up. Well, I was going to say SoundCloud. I don't know. If it's <laughs> <laughs> so, this is definitely going on LinkedIn. This is going to be on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe. This is going up on uh, Twitter and it's going on my blog as well. Uh, as always, people, invest in you, EDU, peace. Peace.